This is Limit Up, the show where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology so that you can take your trading to the next level. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Limit Up podcast from Top Step. I'm Jack Pelzer, joined by Dan Hodgman. You know, in that, Jack, how are you? I was just saying that in that space there, you could, you know, acknowledge me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to follow up with something. No, no, no. That's, you know, what happens when things are unscripted. Uh, Dan and I are both up in Wisconsin uh, separately. I'm up in the Northwoods yeah, right now. Jack entered the great state, the great state of Wisconsin. Yeah, I feel like this cabin right now uh, that I'm like Mark Wahlberg in the movie Shooter or something. I just, uh, it seems like a good place to go if people are on a lookout for you. Well, uh, you're not far from Al Capone's hideout up there. Oh, that's right. Where they got the shootout. In Monaco, Wisconsin, Al Capone had a hideout. There was the shootout. Um, So yeah, you're in a good hideout spot up there. Oh, great. Dip out in the woods pretty easily. (laughs) Exactly. Well, uh Despite me trying to hide from all things current events, we got sort of a big news week coming up in that uh, we have a new uh, president getting inaugurated tomorrow or yesterday by the time you're listening to this. And for all of the volatility you predicted, despite, I would say, uh, the dates between the election and inauguration were... Uh, I mean, they were about as contentious as I thought they might get, but the market certainly have not reacted much at all. In fact, we're seeing uh, that 20 has been hard, the breach and the VIX. Um, you know, we've th- seen things hanging around there, grinding a little bit lower, but hasn't pushed through yet. So there's still some volatility out there, but the uh, S&P 500 seems to really like that 3,800 level and it's kind of chicken, uh, you know, sitting around there. Absolutely. I think uh, we are still up 100% on the VIX where we were this time last year. Um, I kind of foresee the VIX uh, getting a little bit of a spike here in the next uh, couple of days. We'll see what happens. I actually just got off the phone about a half hour ago um, with my brother. He was asking me, he said, uh, all right, go fill up all your gas cans. I go, why? He goes, well, you know, do you think oil is going to go up starting tomorrow with the possibilities of the stoppage of the Keystone pipeline? And I think I started looking at the market. I think, you know, we've seen some of that already factored in when you look at crude oil. Um, we've talked about this a lot in the equity markets. I think the equity markets really did the factoring in already. Um, and I think that's why you didn't see the craze volatility on January 6th. Um, and I think, I don't think tomorrow's going to bring much of a difference to these equity markets. I would tend to agree with you. Um, so we're kind of turning over a new leaf as far as that goes, but I saw a crazy stat the other day, the, um, what do you think the annualized return over the last decade is for the S&P 500? Annual? Last decade. Annual. 13%. 13.6%. And so, uh, yeah, if you guys want uh, what that is, that's high. Uh, so that's probably not something that's sustainable in the long term. So that's what I always have in the back of my head. You know, you like to think about that 6% a year, 7% a year, but we've had a huge run with all the uh, disruptors, as people our age, I guess, call them. Right. You think about it. Over the last decade, we're recovering from that recession that we went into, the financial crisis, um, that bubble. So we're recovering from all of that, and uh, so it makes sense. Um, when's the uh, when's the next? I mean, did we have a downturn last year? I don't know. 
Are we going to have a bigger downturn that's going to last a little bit longer? I don't know. We'll see what happens. Well, who knows? We could also just all be living in a simulation, which brings us to the topic of today's discussion, <laughs> which is... we Ooh, thought a nice be- transition. I know. I try from time to time. We thought it might be cool to talk about uh, some of the differences and difficulties from trading on a simulator to starting your own live money account. We talked about it earlier on Coach's Playbook, but Dan and I are going to go a little more in depth now and maybe talk about some of our own experiences with it. But one thing we unfortunately see out there is a lot of people, they do well trading sim. They learn the ropes. They get some success going. But then they get a little bit in their head once they start trading in the live markets. And there's a number of reasons for it. Uh, Most of it is just psychology because at the end of the day, we're humans and we don't have great innate understandings of um, risk and probability. It's something that kind of defines our race. I think I heard one of the guests back in the day, Annie Duke, correct? That's the name of the poker player? Yep. Yeah, was discussing the example that, for instance, uh, back when you could get eaten by a lion or something, putting a lot of worry into a very small probability event was good practice because you didn't want to get eaten by the one time out of a hundred that there's a line behind that bush, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's not something you can be comfortable with, with trading because, you know, some terrible things can happen to you in the markets. You can lose a lot of money. Uh, Lord knows I have from time to time, but you're probably not going to get eaten by a lion or uh, get trapped behind a forest fire. We're, I'm trying to think of some other old timey things people have to worry about. Uh, cholera, Although I guess we have to worry about pandemics again now. <laughs> so, <laughs> what was the uh, the sickness everyone got on the Oregon Trail? Uh, dysentery. Someone in your crew group got dysentery. Yeah, and then you just had to bury them at a uh, small marked digital grave, but <laughs> no longer. Right. Um, <laughs> but that same lizard brain that you have is still one of the things that keeps you from making sound decisions as a trader. Right. Some of the same. For instance, we like to protect what we have more than we like to earn new things. People would almost universally rather not lose $100 than earn $100. And that's something that clearly, if you're in the markets, is you can't think that way. Absolutely. I was thinking about this after we finished our Coach's Playbook segment today. I was going through some thoughts in my head about controlling what's real, what's not real. And one thing that I do, I'm a cash guy. I love having cash. Um, But let's say I'm getting down to, you know, I've only got a hundred bucks left in my wallet in cash. I find myself not wanting to touch the cash and using debit or credit card way more frequently because I don't want to risk losing that hundred bucks I've got. And so when I start to use that money, I feel it a lot more. And I think that's a very similar example. I started talking to other people. I think a lot of people run into that same scenario. If you have cash, you're more hesitant to use the cash where you're more, it's a lot easier to use the debit or credit card because you don't see the dollars going out. And I think the same applies with simulated trading versus real trading. When you are in a simulated environment, which I think simulated trading is a phenomenal thing as long as it's used properly. When you are trading in simulation 100% of the time, 
because you don't want to get into the live market. Say you have that opportunity to go live, but you stay in sim, your strategy starts to adjust. You take shots you shouldn't be taking. So when you finally make that transition to live, all of a sudden you have picked up some bad habits from trading within the simulated environment. I think it's very similar. Once it becomes real money, you have a really, really hard time losing it where when it's in that simulated environment, the losses don't hurt because it's just simulated. It's not realistic. We're not losing that $1,000. Now, if you're using, you're trading with your cash, if you have cash on hand, you have something that you're paying closer attention to. Um, and when you get to live, that's how I look at it. In the live market, you have cash and you pay a lot closer attention to it. Um, so sometimes you don't want to realize those losses and get the statement at the end of the day that says you lost X amount of money today. Or when the money's going in your favor, you're really quick to shut it down because you just want to see green. You don't really care if you're following within your system. So I think there's a delicate balance we have to play. Sim, spectacular for what it is if it's used properly. Testing, working yourself through the trading combine, um, backtesting systems, making adjustments to a strategy that you have. Learning a new different market, great places to do it, but there has to be a point where we say, all right, I have done well within the simulated environment. I've proven my strategy. I've passed step one and step two of the trading combine or the pro account, and I've worked my way to that point. Now I really have to accept I'm in this because I want to make this money real. I'm in this to be a real trader. We have to take that step. So I think there's a true balance that has to be played. What I love about the example you use there is it goes to what I will just call for the rest of this episode, the fundamental irrationality of the certain way we think about money. Because th there shouldn't be a difference between cash and credit unless you have a high interest. Let's not get into the specifics there. But the idea <laughs> is, well, say, especially if you buy something that, what's a product that costs $2,000? I can tell you something specific. It's uh, cylinders and pistons and head for a uh, 2016 Skidoo 800 because um, I just had to spend 2000 on that. <laughs> yeah, so every, every time Dan crashes a snowmobile, well, it's completely different just charging it for the new parts versus if you had to sit there with $100 bills and just put out $2,000 bills, it seems a lot more real. Now, yep. it shouldn't. So, Dan, you hit on a great point that we are not saying that there's anything wrong. I mean, sim trading's like the best tool out there to learn the trade. Without a doubt. Yeah. And it teaches you the processes, processes that will absolutely, if it works in the sim, it will work. But the real mental uh, gymnastics you have to go through is adhering to the same process and not letting that voice in the back of your head change things because you're down a little bit of money or dumping out of trades earlier because you see that green and you want it right away. And I discussed that over on Playbook today that I think that was my biggest problem with the transition was that when I was trading real money and seeing it in my account is that I would dump out of winners too early and counterintuitively, I would let losers run because it didn't feel real until I, until I puked the position. If I was, if I was on SIM, yeah. I'd be in a bad trade. I'd be at a place I knew I wanted to get out and I'd puke it because it's not real money. Whereas I would sit around when I started and just sit there with my fingers crossed, say a little prayer and hope it comes back a little bit. It's spot on. I mean, you really think you have to think about it. When you are in SIM, the risk isn't if I lose $200, it's not really $200. I'm not going to miss a bill because I lost that 200 bucks. 
when you're in the live market, whether again, it's with Top Step or you're in your own brokerage account, something we talked about a lot last week, that's a real $200. Uh, that's a huge thing to overcome. And I think this is something you really have to start to think about when you're in sim. Start to train yourself. When you're trading within the simulated environment, try and find ways to make that simulated PL real. You know, if it's getting a stack of $100 bills and you crumple them up and throw them in a trash can, I don't recommend that. But uh, if that's a way to create this realistic, <laughs> you know, if it's monopoly money, if it's bills, I've been a big proponent about talking about a cable bill. Internet and cable cost me about $200 a month. I have, I keep it around. It's something, it's a reminder when the market goes against me. If I'm down 200, okay, that's one month of cable bills. If I'm down, you know, let's get crazy. If I'm down $2,400, that's one year of bills that I just lost. I'd rather lose one month and have to make that up than lose an entire year and have to make it up. Um, Because we have a long year of trading ahead of us and that's the advantage, but you have to make sure you're still there. So try and find ways to make the dollars and cents and simulated realistic. Don't sit and sim because you're afraid to get to the real environment. Um, That's where I think, that's one of the biggest things I think I see is people have this subconscious fear of going into the live market and you have to overcome that. And the only way to do that is treat it like it's real from the very beginning. I think the best piece of actionable advice you can do on this, and we say it a lot, is to start small. And by start small, I would mean start smaller than you think small is, as small as possible. Now you have all these options where they have micros contracts and products such as that. Trade a couple micros somewhere just to get the feel. Because if you start getting down to a point that it's affecting your process, if you're trading too big size, if you cannot emotionally or psychologically deal with being down X amount of money. So that if you're down so much that you can't sleep or you can't eat or you're stressing out, then you're trading too big. That's it. Size. Size is such a big thing, Jack. And I'm glad you bring this up because first off, a lot of times in sim, I have seen way too many traders, um, you know, they'll have a completely simulated account and then you'll watch them throw on a 10 lot, a 15 lot, a hundred lot. I've seen guys throw on hundred lots in sim, just having fun, which is all fine and dandy. It's kind of cool to see the moves, right? If you're outright long a hundred bonds and you, you pick up a tick, I mean, that's wild. Those are huge numbers, but it's not realistic. And once you do it once, you'll find in sim that you'll add on a little heavy in your position to recover. And that one time it works and it goes in your favor, you're not going to forget that. So when you get to live, all of a sudden, maybe it's your second day in your funded account and the market's going against you and you have a little room to put on, go from one to three, maybe, maybe you decide to throw on a three lot because you know what? I'm down 500 bucks. I want to recover this. I'm going to put on a three lot. Well, all of a sudden you just tripled your risk. You're already proving you're not in the right frame of mind or you haven't found a good trade setup yet and you put it on against you in this large size and then the market goes against you and all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're at a daily loss limit or you're getting close to um, some sort of trailing max or whatever it is. You're getting to these points of serious risk and it makes it really hard to recover. So day one, 
When you get into a live market, Jack is spot on. Grab those micros, put a couple on. One, two, three, you're still a tenth or 30% of one e-mini equity market um, contract. So if you can cut it back there, you're going to start to feel the ebb and flow of real money. I have talked to way too many traders over the years that have never traded live and have an extreme confidence going from live sim to live. I love seeing confidence, but there's a point where you still have to manage your expectations, be realistic with yourself and saying, all right, I'm, I'm confident in my strategy, but this is real money. I need to slow things down because if you come in too confident thinking it's not going to be any different, sim to real, you're sorely mistaken. You're going to lose. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been doing this for. If you've stepped away from trading live money and it's been a little bit, when you get back to live money, you're back at it. My old man traded for 30 plus years. And he still says to this day, live money, his emotions go completely haywire than when he is back testing something in simulation. That's a guy who's done this for 30 years, retired and had hundreds of traders that worked for him. Yeah. Of course, it reminds me. It reminds me of that story that MP told last week, uh, when you know after he had blown out his account a few times, was uh, trading one lots on the sim for an organization, and he uh, he mentioned, oh, you know, I'm I, I'm like a five ten lot trader, and they're like, well, there's a reason you're here, <laughs> and like, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everyone, you got to start small, and you got to just become comfortable doing that before you move. If you can't make uh, money trading a one lot of minis. You're not going to make money on a 10 lot. Or if you do, you're doing it in a way that's terrible risk management. It's my theme of this year. Um, This is, I decided this, it's my theme for all of 2021 and beyond trade what you have, not what you want. You'll eventually get to where you want to be if you're trading based off of what you have. So if you come into this and let's say you put $5,000 in an account and you're, you got five grand to work with. And you want to turn that, you want to make $50,000 this year. That's a great goal. I have no problem with that. But you're not making $50,000 in the first week or even the first month. That cannot be the mentality. If that is the mentality, you're going to lose. You may have a good couple days that get you to maybe 20 grand, but then you're going to struggle. Now, if you trade and say, hey, I have $5,000. The first thing I got to do is get this thing to 6,000 and you trade that way, you're going to have much more longevity in this. So trade what you have, trade based off of what you have to start to grow your account. Even if you got room, let's say you're able to trade 15 contracts and you got $10,000 in that account. Does not mean in the slightest you should be putting on 15 contracts. I don't care who you are. You should not trade 15 contracts with $10,000. Yeah, I don't think that's, over. Not a, no, that's, that's a good rant. Right, because, I mean, that's the mentality. The best hedge funds in the world uh, return 20% on the capital, and that would that would be blowing away the industry. You, you watch uh, the big short, I think, at the end uh, with, with Michael Burry's thing. I think his, his fund returned like 500%. When you're talking about going from five to 50 grand in one year, that's more than that. Like, Right. If you're... You can't go out trying to hit a 10-bagger. That's it's <laughs> difficult. <laughs> it's, it, it, and the reason I say this is I see so many 
get rich quick guys out there saying, watch me turn this size account into this size account in six months, which great. If you can do that, by all means, I'm not, don't let me be the one to stop you, but you've got to be realistic in this. And that doesn't make sense. When you put the percentages there, Jack nails it on the head, five to 50 grand in one year. Great goal, but first you got to get the six. It's doable. Don't get me wrong. It's 100% doable, but you're not doing it in a week. You got 365 days and 200 some odd trading days to grow the account. Don't do it on day one and don't blow it on day one um, because then you got to start over. And yeah. No one wants to do that. Yeah. And, and, and watch out too, because if you see in... More power to them if you can, but if you see people saying that they have a foolproof uh, way without risk to uh, 10x your money in a year, uh, it begs the question why they're even trying to sell to do that. They should just go out and do it, right? <laughs> if I had a foolproof right. way to- Just do it for yourself. I would just do it for myself, and I would be the richest person on earth several times over. So <laughs> you got to be careful about those sorts of things. I couldn't agree more. So back to our topic here about real versus sim, sim versus real. John Hoagland, we've all heard of him. We all know him. We all love him. Um, there's a t-shirt with his face on it on our uh, on our swag shop, on our website. So go check it out. Go buy one. Ooh, nice. um, he has one of the best analogies. I think I, I really love my uh, cash to credit analogy, um, which I'm going to start using all the time now as I thought of that one today. But he's got another really good one that helps kind of put things into perspective, um, equivalence of it's the same, but it's not the same. And he uses this concept of walking across a two by four. I think everyone in the world's probably seen a two by four on the ground and tried to walk one foot in front of the other over to see if they could do it. Um, And when it's on the ground, it's relatively easy, right? Yeah. But all of a sudden, when you go from that simulated environment, let's just say your sim is on the ground um, and then you go to the trading combine. And now it's kind of elevated because there is a little bit of risk there. You know, you're paying a subscription. There's that cost of a reset. So it's elevated. It gets a little bit more difficult. Things are kind of on the, you got a little bit of skin in the game, as they say. And when you get to that live account, you're now 10 feet in the air trying to walk across this two by four. When it's laying on the ground, it's relatively easy. But when it's 10 feet in the air, you're thinking about the fall and not where you have to get. You start thinking about, oh man, I don't want to fall. 10 feet could hurt. You know, I don't want to do that. Even though the concept is the exact same, everything is the exact same, there's that bigger risk involved. And so now you're starting to think about the risk. So when you're trading and you're going from sim to live, try and remember what you were thinking while you were in sim that proved that your strategy was working to prove that you can open this live account. Yeah. And I think that's so important. Bring yourself back to why you're doing what you're doing. Use SIM for what it's there for. Don't overtrade in SIM and don't make those silly mistakes that force bad habits. And I think 90% of the difficulty of making that transition is what we've been talking about so far, uh, the psychological aspect. There is, and Dan, correct me if I'm wrong because you have more experience with the modern simulators, but... Um, there is also a technical aspect of that you will, it's not that you will always get better fills in a simulator, but you will never get uh, worse fills than you would in the live market, I think is how I would put it. Yeah. So the way it works is 
If you're in the live market, when you put your order into the queue, it goes to the exchange and the exchange is saying who's getting filled. It has nothing to do with what platform you're trading on. When you're in trading in a simulated environment, there is no exchange that the orders go to. So that platform in and of itself has to simulate your fills. And every platform does it differently. Um, Some are, you're just automatically in the front of the queue. Some try and simulate, okay, it looks like you got in at 22 and there's 44 uh, or 26 filled, so you get a fill. They all try to do their best, but nothing is as real as it is when it is real. I mean, there is a huge difference. I have found majority of the time I have put markets next to each other, a sim and a real market next to each other, and clicked them as quickly as evenly as possible. And the sim always gets filled quicker than the live one. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's just the way sim markets are. They want you to get fills. They want you to feel these markets out. Um, and so that's something you really have to think about. And that's one of the biggest things I say to a lot of traders, if they're struggling when they get to that live market, number one thing you have to do, put a trade on and take a trade off. Experience a real fill, win or loss. If it's a loss of a tick or made of a tick, I don't care. Get that fill. Watch how that market filled that order. Watch where you sit in that queue. I like to watch the filled orders come through to see how many filled, how many filled, how many filled. Was I in there pretty good? Um, So I always recommend it. If put on one little micro lot, you know, a, a three tick target, a three tick stop, Try and get that fill, see what happens, experience it a little bit. Um, And I think it's going to help that comfort. I know people that have talked about flipping a coin on the first trade of the day just to get the first trade out of the way. Eh, Probably not recommend it, but uh, (laughs) there's all sorts of things you can do. Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, do it once or twice. That's fun. The race for Q position among the uh, big boys and girls out there in the financial world is it's really an arms race that you don't want any part of as a retail trader. So things like manipulating your queue position are going to be very hard for you to do with the kind of stuff that we uh, do. So that's what one thing that also makes simulators a little bit easier to trade on as far as getting fills. Now, an important announcement on the side here, too, is Dan and I are trying valiantly to record this podcast, but we're getting a little bit of a delay <laughs> back and forth. It says my internet's fine here, and it feels fine right now, but... Uh, if it sounds it seems like we're in queue here now. I think so. Well, you know, it's you know it's funny. I just want people to know that if they hear weird pauses between uh Dan and I, it's not that we're just sitting here dumbfounded. It's that we're waiting for the uh <laughs> for the video to go through the tubes. But so bear with us. So we'll probably just kind of go to our final thoughts now about this. Uh the big takeaway is it's different. Be prepared for it to be different start out slow don't get your positions big enough that they are making you sweat and change the process that made you successful when you were on the simulator spot on jack i mean that's so important and you know just to caveat or add to um your talk about the race to the queue we don't have you know we talked about spending two thousand dollars that's a big number to i was gonna say you know your, your day trading computer but you're not spending that much on a computer these guys that win the races to the queue are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars and buying locations as close as possible to the exchange to win that race to the queue. Um, the financial backing that they have to win that queue race is going to beat out any single person just trying to trade on their own. So don't keep that out of your, uh, your quiver. Uh, don't make that something you're looking to do. Um, 
you know, get your fills on the bid and offer as best you can and focus on that. One tick shouldn't make or break you. Yeah. Uh, last thought, because that was QR was a big part of my previous life. And I'll try and make sure I don't trample any NDAs while talking about this. <laughs> but uh, basically, that's part of the reason you see so much consolidation in a lot of the prop industries is because the fixed cost of the microwave lines and everything else got so high that it really just cut into all the trading margins. And it's gotten to the point where if you're trying to play that Q game as a retail person, by the time you get filled, they probably don't want that fill, right? Because by the right. Way, if you get filled at the end of the queue, that means that price is clearing out and there's a reason why you know no one else is there. So just some food for thought. That's a good point, Jack. Well, Dan, since we're having these uh, interesting delays, uh, maybe now is a good time for us to say that we'll be back on a more stable internet connection next week, I'm sure. Uh, I hope so. We I'm going to be out in Colorado in the mountains, so I hope my internet's good next weekend or next week. We'll see. I, I'm actually going to be uh, on board the International Space Station, so they should have some uh, free truck. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure out a way to make it work, I promise. But We'll um, make it work. In the meantime, we hope you all enjoyed this. Um, if you like our podcast, please go rate it. Uh, that helps us get found and get some other guests on the shows and things like that. But we'll be back next week to talk about some more trader education topics. Uh, Dan, do we have any announcements we wanted to go over? We do. We have one announcement that's really exciting. It came from feedback from a lot of traders. This is not a limit up announcement. This is a top step announcement. Um, it's not all platforms. We're working on it for every platform. But right now, um, majority of our platforms, you've heard about our scaling plan. Um, we had a, a small buffer zone at this point. What we've actually adjusted within our scaling plan is that when you're trading in step two, um, you get restricted at your max lots. Instead of being able to trade too big, you get a restriction now. So um, I'm really excited to announce that one. And those of you in step one, or excuse me, step two in uh, the pro accounts, um, that should be active for you on almost all platforms beside T4 and um, trade station. Every other platform, you will be restricted and you, you can't break that rule. That's exciting news. Nice. It's always nice when things get made easier. So we're going to keep on trying to do that. In the meantime, it's almost the weekend. So hope everybody stays safe. Enjoy the winter weather. If you've got it, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, enjoy that. You, I'm mad at you for having that weather, actually. <laughs> but have a good time out there, too. Uh, for Dan Hodgman and Jack Pelzer, this is Limit Up. Namaste and trade well. The Limit Up podcast is produced by Dante32. Futures and Forex trading contain substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.